Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome to episode 151 of Geek Town Radio. We're back this week with Bex. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I've got used to a slightly different lifestyle over the last week or so, having been <laughs> up in, well, on the Isle of Skye, up in Scotland, in the middle of absolute nowhere. Um, yeah, London seems a little bit crowded again now, I have to say. <laughs> yes, yeah, you really, really couldn't find two places which are too much different. I wouldn't have thought in the UK from the Isle of Skye and Central London. So how was the Isle of Skye? Apart from not having great internet access, how was it? It was awesome. It was beautiful and just, it was like walking around a combination of leftover set pieces for like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones and because I went to so many castles. It's just, I don't get bored of castles, I have to say. I just like to stand on top of them and survey the area and kind of plan world domination, um, which was um, amazing. And it, it's so it's so beautiful up there as well. And we had, because it's obviously it's Scotland, it's mixed weather. Um, we had a brilliant mix of sun and rain on one of the days. So I've got photos of like castles with giant rainbows behind them. How awesome. It just, it just looks like CGI, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I might brilliant. as well have just not taken any photos and come back and done some CGI because it just it looks lovely. And I um I took my lightsaber with me. Of course, yes. So I done some some filming of me wielding my lightsaber like <laughs> on castles. <laughs> so if you're hanging around castles, you need like a full Khaleesi outfit. <laughs> I I was just wearing all the clothes I owned in the world to be honest because it's Scotland. Um, it was like I have to do this. I have to take the lightsaber and stand on the edge of a cliff and stand by a castle and and do these kind of things because it was just it was just absolutely awesome very windy there's this one point where i was on a, the edge of a cliff and the drop was just phenomenal and i'm kind of standing there and every other wind moves me slightly and i'm just like don't die don't die don't die this is a really cool shot but i had not cool enough to die for yeah um, yeah killing yourself yes. over photography is not a good idea <laughs> yeah well the camera fell over on the tr- tripod at one point so i might need a new lens um, oh no it landed in mud which is obviously means ah, oh, it didn't all smash but there's going to be particles that will have got into the mechanism of the, of the lens so there no. was a uh, 60 quid video shot that oh god <laughs> um, it worked for a bit longer but eventually i suspect there will be repercussions yes um, and i was just far enough away from from the tripod that i saw it going <laughs> and just kind of went yeah motion yeah it's got this vision of a slow motion shot of you running towards it yeah me holding a lightsaber running towards a falling tripod and then because it's a beautiful spot up the top of a cliff there's all these other pro photographers just looking on with sympathy as <laughs> my kit just goes smash <laughs> I was just, at least it didn't go off the cliff um, oh dear so, were you recording video at the time because that would be a great video to put up <laughs> I, I had stopped and I was just resetting up the shot so oh, sadly no. the video of the camera going poof, is, is not in existence um, I think otherwise it would have been quite cool <laughs> included in the video otherwise because it would have been quite entertaining Uh, but it was it was awesome and beautiful we had fireplaces in our in our cottage where we're all staying and uh, I used the the evenings where we couldn't go anywhere or do anything to catch up with um well we re-watching Legion series one in preparation for series two ah yes 
such a good show that i'm very happy that's back yeah i absolutely love it and so it's sort of settled down with some hot soup in front of an open fire and watched <laughs> reruns of legion on my laptop in the evenings so that was that was pretty cool a pretty good escape other than that i, I watched a bit of gotham oh yeah yeah i was uh, sent the the most recent two episodes from the states as part of a, a review thing um i haven't watched it in ages and it's quite crazy yeah it, it's in- one of those shows that it took a, the first season for them to find their feet, but it, it, once they'd sort of settled into what they were doing and decided to hell with any form of continuity or uh, you know, with all the other DC Universe and created its own thing, once it decided it was doing that, it got a lot better and it gets more nuts as you go through it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was discovering because I've jumped into the middle of a season. I'm trying to remember which episodes I watched, but I think it's I think the States is quite ahead of the UK. Yeah, it is. Um, I've just seen, I think it was episodes 11 and 12 or something of a new season out there and I was just like I hardly even know what's going on (laughs) every character has changed and got crazier and it looks like they're on their third actress for Ivy and yeah just it's just stuff every scene was just I was just like well this is wildly entertaining I'm not sure half of it makes sense and it definitely is not really an adaptation of anything at all at this point it's just absolutely ridiculous um but it was quite entertaining so I might have to go back and do a catch-up and watch um, season three and the, the rest of the season four that I've not seen yeah. when that comes out over here, which is reasonably soon, isn't it? That it's yes, coming out over yeah. Here. That, was, that was one of the big announcements this week, actually, was because yeah. uh, seasons one to three are on Netflix. Season four is has been bought by E4, which is coming in April. We don't know exactly when in April yet, but it is coming in April, they announced this week, on E4, which I'm incredibly happy about. That's really where it should have been in the first place. It should never have been on Channel 5, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah, other than that, I'm trying to think. Well, I, I, um, I did a, a video on Jedi Challenges, the augmented reality Star Wars game. Yes, I saw that. I, yeah, I, I just left in all the shots where I fell over because I thought... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were highly entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I foolishly put a sofa in my studio so I could sit down and do reviews and it would all look at it and then kind of forgot it was there and fell over at least <laughs> twice when backing away from enemies that obviously you move with them when you're playing it. <laughs> on a headset game walking away from them doesn't actually do anything yes um, so, yeah i left the shots of me of me falling over because i thought why not um <laughs> and I, I decided to sneak some things in the background of that video as well there are there are some porgs i don't know if you spotted them. i did i did i did spot the porgs yes <laughs> i thought why not um but yeah, I mean, between all those things, that's kept me pretty busy, to be honest. What have you been up to? Well, I mean, I've working through various uh, shows. The the big new one that I started this week, although I've only got a few episodes into it, is Sneaky Pete, which is brilliant. If you haven't seen that, it's on uh, Amazon Prime Video. Second season of that is out now. Picks up pretty much where the first season left off because there was a little sort of coda bit at the end of the first season where Marius, who is protecting Pretending to be Pete, his the the entire premise of the show is basically this guy Marius gets out of prison, needs to hide hide from Brian Cranston, who is a gangster that's chasing him, and basically steals the life of his cellmate, who is estranged from his family. So he turns up on the family's doorstep, saying, "Hi, I'm Pete, your nephew, who you haven't seen in twenty years." So that that was yeah. the sort of premise for the first season. That first season has a little coda bit at the end, which Miles spoilers but leads into the second season which is Marius getting caught by two guys who believe he's Pete who are after a bunch of money that Pete and his mother have apparently hidden somewhere which Marius has no clue about so this results in them having to try and spring the real Pete out of prison <laughs> so uh, just so they can find out this information so it, it's brilliant it's so well written it was backed by Brian Cranston he's an exec producer on it although he hasn't shown up in the second season so far i don't know whether he will at some point but he was he was sort of the villain in the first season but wasn't sort of a main character the uh main character is giovanni ribsy who plays pete slash marius but uh, it's one of the best things on amazon 
uh, it's one of the best TV shows I've seen in a very long time, actually. But it's well worth going to watch if you've not caught that. I also completed Jessica Jones season two, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Very interesting, different sort of season because there isn't as strong a bad guy like Kilgrave as there was in the first season. The bad guy is almost Jessica herself in terms of her own psyche and her dealing with the fallout of how she became who she was and, and that sort of thing. That was quite an interesting season. I quite enjoyed that. Have you seen that yet? I watched the first two episodes of Jessica Jones season two. I've only seen a sort of half of the first season as well. And I can't quite get into it. I think it's probably a very good example of what it is and being a, a drama and looking at her mind state and all of these kind of things. But it, when it is and it isn't a genre show, it's, it occupies a slightly unusual kind of space and yeah i think i much have to be in the right mood to watch it i'm just not quite there there's a little bit too much of the drama type side of it right for me so i i find myself occasionally like wanting to fast forward bits <laughs> it's on the kind of maybe list for me but i know a lot of people who absolutely love it yeah i mean i i thought it was one of the strongest seasons out of that first run but it is a little less superhero-y than the others it's not sort of as out and out superhero-y it's detective drama about this damaged person. It's not as much about her being a superhero, although obviously but that is part take of it. You could take out the superhero stuff and replace it with something else quite easily, I feel, and it would still work. It's almost like it's a series yeah. that wants to appeal to people who aren't into that kind of thing to sort of pull them in a bit rather than something aimed at the comic book fans looking for something along those lines. It's It's much more... I don't know, it's still weird, weird to call something based on a comic book kind of realistic drama, but it's much more that approach yeah. to it. And the other stuff's more of kind of a background, which I always find a little bit frustrating when I see things like that, where the bit that's kind of hooked me in is actually more of a, just a set up a background. And then it's just more of a, albeit very, you know, well acted or well written drama. I mean, again, I've only seen a couple of episodes, but it's much more that with just a kind of slight background veneer of the comic booky stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth trying again and mm. getting a bit further than two episodes in, particularly just for Kilgrave, because uh, David Tennant is phenomenal in that. I first know, season. I love David Tennant as well. <laughs> so I'm not sure how I haven't quite, you know, yeah. managed to get through it, but it I did worth- find it a little bit with all of these Netflix series is that it's like I really loved Daredevil but I did find there was too much of the kind of standard drama stuff and I actually found Daredevil himself to be the less interesting of the characters Yeah. so I did really enjoy bits of the series but the weighting of how they kind of balance things just it just isn't quite what I'm looking for even though parts of it were amazing I was more interested in the other characters than the primary yeah. character and that kind of I think that would be the same with Jessica Jones I would be more kind of just waiting for David Tennant to come on screen which doesn't really <laughs> seem to be a, a fair way to be watching or judging something. No, I, I know what you mean. It's the same with a lot of those Marvel Netflix things. They are far more character-driven and sort of play down the superhero-ness uh, as opposed to something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the other sort of network Marvel TV shows which play up the superhero stuff a lot more. Yeah, it's weird because there's other things which have no serial superhero type. It's, you know, the, the shows I watch that aren't genre shows because there are some of them, <laughs> as I have to assure you every now and again. Something like Banshee. Have yeah. you ever seen Banshee? I... I love Banshee, that's incredible. But I think that's quite darker. Yeah. And that has, the characters are, see, I would say a lot more complicated than Jessica Jones is pretty complicated. But I think Banshee has a lot more characters who are all equally complicated and nuanced and do unexpected things. Yeah. Um, and I have no expectations going into it, so I can sort of enjoy that yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. more than I can with these ones. It's, it's, a, mis- um, it's a mislabeling of, of maybe the Marvel shows where they sort of say they're superhero shows and they're not as much superheroes, whereas Banshee you know it's not a superhero show going into it I guess yeah it's also just an absolutely incredible show if you haven't it watched it I it is. highly it recommend is. it because it is um, incredibly incredibly well put together and one I only kind of watched because um, someone else wanted to watch an episode of it when they were staying around my place for a bit and they wanted to watch an episode of it and I was just kind of like what on earth is this if you tell me the premise of it oh it's a guy that is pretending to be the sheriff of a small sleepy town yeah uh, you know who's an ex-criminal and there's some diamonds involved I would have been like that sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
but it's actually you know an un- unbelievable show it became one of my favorite tv shows for a bit yeah it's a very good series in terms of gaming and stuff this week I, i've been playing around with pure farming <laughs> which is is completely not really my sort of game but somebody offered me a preview code for it so i thought i'd give it a go uh yeah now you had a go with was it total farming when we were at pc gamer weekender yeah i got to interview one of the guys i think it was real farming real farming that's it yes it might have been um lovely guys um yeah slightly outside my area yeah the amazing new dlc of potato patch or whatever it's called potato <laughs> crop um i know that there's a, a massive audience for these and people find them just kind of nice escapism and things um, yeah. i tend to prefer my games to be more yeah. chaotic and explodey and yeah yeah, kind, yeah. yeah. I mean, realistic so, so I've, I've been playing with pure farming i mean I, the problem is i don't really have apart from you know having played a little bit of real farm when we're at the show i don't really have a lot to compare it to so i could couldn't tell you whether it's any better or any worse than any other farming game out there i mean it does what it seems to do perfectly well you can pick up farming gear you could you could go out and plow fields you could sit back in a tractor and listen to the radio while you're plowing fields um it is that sort of cerebral kind of just relax and not have to worry too much and you know i, I don't really know whether it's for me but uh, but yeah it seems to be a perfectly solid version of that sort of genre for what i can tell of it the other big game that i've been playing is called surviving mars which is from paradox it's another one of these base building games you know a sort of sim city but set on mars kind of thing where you build biodomes and stuff and populate them with people and you've got to try and keep everybody alive it's, it's one of those games that you think oh i'll just play this for an hour at sort of five o'clock in the afternoon and you look up at the clock and it's just like midnight it, it really gets you sort of sucked into to just messing around and building out bigger bases and and uh, adding more stuff to it and just trying to keep everybody alive. I get the feeling it's not quite as deep as I would like it. I mean, I've been playing I don't know ten hours or so, and uh, I have a feeling it's probably not one that's I, I'm going to come back to as much as say something like Civilization or other games of this genre that are also sort of base building games they you know the goals don't seem particularly well set out with it but it is fun to play you know and it's if yeah. you like building things uh which i do i love building games so uh so that's been quite good fun the other thing that came out this week of course was uh two massive marvel trailers um, avengers and deadpool i'm assuming you've seen both of these well yes <laughs> <laughs> even up in the you know the highlands of scotland you find just enough 4g somewhere on top of a mountain in order to to watch these things yes what were your thoughts i'm greatly looking forward to both i mean i think the deadpool trailer could be anything it could have just been like static and it said there will be Deadpool and <laughs> yeah. I'd probably be happy so I don't really feel like I can give any kind of constructive criticism because it exists so I'm happy um, <laughs> and in Infinity War I'm, I'm interested to see what it's going to be like because the Marvel films just the, the tone of them because I you know I watched Ragnarok so late I only watched that a few weeks ago right, and yeah. the tone in it was so mixed and bizarre it was like half a Thor film and half a Guardians of the Galaxy film and yeah. I'm not quite sure what to expect, really. And the trailers don't give you enough of a a deep sense of what the characterization and what the directing style is going to be, really. Um, I'm unsure what it's going to be, but I suspect it will be spectacular to look at either way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be more in the vein of Civil War, given it's the same directors. I suspect that you're going to end up losing quite a lot of people, or at least some key people out of this one, whether that's Captain America or whether that's... Iron Man or I don't know but I suspect you are going to be losing some people in this I, I, I mean, a few people are coming to the end of their contracts or have said that they'd like to go off and do other things at this point plus it's just too many characters otherwise it would yeah, I mean, be something a, like 40 or something in yeah. One. Yeah. yeah we are going to end up losing some people that's pretty much guaranteed it wouldn't surprise me if Vision ends up going because the poor chap has a, has an infinity 
stone in his head so uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I think vision may very well be a goner i and loki appears to have one stone and we've seen that stone in the gauntlet so that probably doesn't bode well for loki i wouldn't have thought i think loki would just gift wrap the stone and hand it to him because he's got too much of a survival instinct to try and keep hold of something from someone that can clearly utterly squash him yeah so i true. suspect he's just going to swap sides i mean he was quite happy for the first avengers to just be like okay you can help me you let me keep this planet you can have everything else yeah sure oh you know he's very much um swap sides as needed yes that is very true so so yeah uh the uh the deadpool trailer the the official plot synopsis i i pretty much takes exactly what you said as people don't really care that the uh that what the story is about or anything i mean we know it's got some of the x-force in it but the official plot synopsis is after surviving a near-fatal bovine attack a disfigured cafeteria chef wade wilson struggles to fulfill his dream of becoming mayberry's hottest bartender while also learning to cope with the loss of a sense of taste and it continues like that <laughs> it's it's i mean you know it may, bears no resemblance to the, that is actually the f- official plot synopsis as well i it's ridiculous uh but yes that's coming on the 16th of may for that for uh for deadpool i'm very much looking forward to that infinity war is 26th of april coming out around my birthday deadpool and uh, Batman Ninja comes out on my birthday. Very good, very good. Uh, I feel like they're, they're taking me into account with their scheduling. Yes. Uh, the other thing I've seen this week, actually, is I went to saw Black Panther finally, which I've been meaning to get around to go to see and I've only just got to it. Have you watched this yet? I watched it as soon as it came out, yeah. I was in one of the first screenings. It's interesting because... Uh, I mean, I don't know what you thought of it. I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It's difficult with a movie like this because it's been so hyped as as to what exactly to expect because it's never going to live up to the amount of hype that it has. I don't think. But I don't know. What do you think of it? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, solid addition to the Marvel universe. It slightly disappointed me that it basically gets to the end and falls into the trap of having two equally powered people beating the hell out of each other, which mm. is, is sli- in near matching suits. In yeah. near matching suits, which is slightly lazy writing to me. I, you know, there are more interesting ways of of ending things, and I thought we got away from that. You, know, there's been a lot of it's it's the way that a lot of films of this type used to end about five years ago and uh, i'd hope we got away from that so that that we had logan did the same thing as well yeah it sort of skirted around it a little bit and you did have another battle going on but there is that slightly bothered me considering i but i'm tr- comparing this to the amount of sort of hype that it got i mean it's one of those films that uh, I, and I I would definitely say go and see it. I, I thought it was very good. I think it's a, he's a great addition to the world. I love Wakanda. I think Wakanda's a really interesting concept in terms of this sort of, you know, very powerful African nation that's had to keep itself hidden from the world. I thought that was really interesting. I thought the acting was great. I thought Denai Guerrero, I thought was brilliant as well. And it's a really solid cast. I, I don't know. I, I just feel odd about it because all these reports coming out about it's the best thing ever. It's the the best marvel film ever made and i that i would disagree with i i think it's a very good marvel film but i certainly think there are a number of of other marvel films that i enjoyed more than it i think for me like there are a lot of comic book films and a lot of comic books that use the good versus bad version of the same character thing but Black Panther handled it a lot better and it's more, I think, you know, maybe um, didn't sit so well with you because it's such a cliche now. But I felt that because the two characters, their entire lives are mirroring each other and through the film there is this good and and different uh, version of the same kind of path in life that they could have grown up to be the same person but where their lives have divulged has made them into sort of not complete opposites because both have good and bad um, admirable qualities in the bad guys so to speak for the most part apart from the the other bad guy yeah. who was just a, a cardboard cutout but everyone else had good and bad qualities so i think maybe if it wasn't such a ridiculous cliche to have the two characters fighting like that it wouldn't have you know left you with that kind of feeling yeah. quite as much yeah maybe 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 yeah. that's the case maybe i'm i'm judging it again i part of me feels i might be judging it harshly because of the hype around it which is a little unfair it's uh, also a film that has pulled in non-comic book fans so things we think are really cliche might have been much fresher to quite a lot of the people who are part of that 
hype machine that you were kind of aware of when you went in to see yeah. it. So I think that makes quite a bit of a difference too. I'm never a fan of good versus bad version of the same character, but I kind of gave Black Panther a bit of a pass because it did it very well. And because yeah. the audience was slightly different to a lot of the other Marvel films, I think. Maybe that that's it. I, I you know, like I say, I would say go and see it because I think it is a solid Marvel movie. I just temper your expectations in terms of it being the best thing that you've ever, ever seen. If it is, great. But it might not be. So... <laughs> Judge that however you will, I think is probably the way I take. So uh, other things, obviously, uh, last week, uh, MCM Comic Comedy Birmingham, I just wanted to mention that there's videos up with a bunch of people. Some of the interviews we put on last week's show with Sean Gunn, Michael Rooker and Mark Shepard. There is also videos up with uh, Troy Baker and Nolan North. Uh, Jan Chappelle, who was Callie in Blake 7, for those of you old enough to remember that show. Uh, I remember Blake 7. Yes. uh, So... uh, she's she was great actually she was lovely it was fairly short interview that but she came in and talked to us about for about seven or eight minutes that was uh that was really nice and uh if on the instagram feed there's a bunch of um sort of little video clips and uh photos and uh, all that sort of stuff as well if you're a cosplayer by the way and you uh, had your photo taken by me and you're up on the website uh just get in touch if you want any of the photographs because i'm quite happy to send them to you the last thing we have this week is uh, Ready Player One is of course arriving later this week. Originally Grey was going to come on and uh, do a bit of a review on here but uh, he couldn't make it this week so he's going to come on next week. However if you go online you can see his incredibly positive review of Ready Player One. He was incredibly happy when he went to go and see it because we sent him to a preview and without telling anybody Spielberg popped up on stage. (laughs) I'm even more jealous now. I was jealous when I knew who was going to get to see it before everyone else now I'm even more jealous <laughs> yeah uh, Spielberg Ty Sheridan and uh, one of the other actors I can't remember which one but like three of them kind of popped up on stage uh, Ben Mendelsohn I think the uh, so the, th- the three of them were up on stage and they hadn't sort of told us they were going to do that so he got to go and see it he absolutely loved the film in preparation for the film coming out they've sent us a little audio trailer to go with it so uh, here's what to look forward to on Ready Player One it is out on Thursday, Friday this week, although you imagine you'll find some previews on Wednesday night as well. But uh, it looks like definitely somebody, if you're into sort of nostalgic 80s and 90s memorabilia, I think definitely want to go and look out for. But uh, here's a little of what to expect on Ready Player One, and then we'll move on to some TV news. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid, my mom too. And I ended up here, sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go, nowhere, except the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Can you feel this? Um, yeah. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello, if you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Who is this Parzival, and how the hell is he winning? Find him. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. The Oasis, the world's most important economic resource. It's nothing less than a war for control of the future. Welcome to the rebellion, Wade. Like many of you, I only came here to escape. 
but I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? Help us save the Oasis. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So, TV and film news this week. There's been a bunch of air date updates because I did a couple of these last week, but uh, there's been a lot more since. As we mentioned earlier, Gotham has been picked up by E4 coming in April. Uh, so first time season four is being aired over here. Hopefully they'll run it through and uh, we may get Gotham early next year. We may get season five, assuming it gets renewed, which will be good. Um, so uh, hopefully that will be now settled as its new home. Timeless has also got an air date season two of that. That's on E4 on the 4th of April. That's coming, which is, is only a few weeks after the US. So I'm very happy happy about that silicon valley's got an air date now that's coming on the 5th of april at 10 past 10 on sky atlantic uh patrick melrose which is his benedict cumberbatch series that's coming to sky atlantic as well that's on the 13th of may uh wolf creek season two coming on the 3rd of april that's got an air date now as well power has got a six seasons renewal murdoch mysteries has got a six season renewal save me's got a second season renewal the lenny james series you can tell we're heading into april may and all the renewal stuff because uh, they're all starting to come through marvel's runaways has been picked up by sci-fi in the uk coming 18th of april apparently this is one i really look really interesting looks like another kind of interesting marvel superhero show i don't know <laughs> there's the quite a books. few of these different kind of ones they're putting together at the moment where they're picking up some of the lesser known in the the mainstream eyes kind of titles and putting them together into shows so i'm interested to see how they go because i think some of them are going to turn more into teen dramas yes definitely <laughs> I think this one definitely is be a team drama because it, its main cast are teens. So yes, I think that looked like it could be quite good though. It's a Hulu series actually, but uh, airing on Sci-Fi over here. Sci-Fi also picked up a show called Sirens, which is about uh, sort of mermaids, a real kind of thing, and that's sort of a, a fantasy horror thing. But that's coming in May, and a show called Stitches, which is now cancelled in the US, but they've picked up I think two, two or three seasons of that, which was about somebody who has memories stitched in it's basically i zombie without the zombies by the sounds of it um so and they said that's coming later in the year but we don't know exactly when yet but that ran for three seasons so don't get overly attached to it in terms of bigger news this week us network fx has ordered a sci-fi pilot from the called devs caught from the writer director alex garland uh alex garland if you don't know the name there's a good chance you've seen some of his work because uh, he was the writer of the Beach, the novel which uh, the Danny Boyle movie with Leonardo DiCaprio was based on. He then continued working with Danny Boyle as the screenwriter for 28 Days Later. He also wrote Sunshine. He wrote the screenplay for Dread, which starred Carl Urban, and he's probably the best adaptation of Dread we've seen on screen so far. Interestingly, Carl Urban actually said quite recently that he also pretty much directed that movie as well, despite it having been credited to another director, but he reckons that uh, Garland was pretty much the director on it. But the first official credited movie is director is Ex Machina. So yeah, pretty well covered I would say that he's Alex Garland and uh, has had critical acclaim with pretty much everything he's pretty tanned to so far. This pilot, which is the show is called Devs, it's based around a young computer engineer called Lily who's investigating a secretive development division of her employer. She works for a cutting edge tech firm based in San Francisco, which she believes is behind the disappearance of her boyfriend. I, I mean, it doesn't give an awful 
lot away that but given that he has a such a stunning track record so far i'm i'm very interested to see this i think yeah i think the idea that they're um looking at more things that push what it means to be human and the word technology used many times so far i think that's something that's probably going to get me to you know have a look at it when it comes out yeah i think so definitely does look like it could be quite interesting that one he's just coming off the back of directing his second writing and directing his second movie which is called Annihilation, which has been extremely well received so far. I think it's on Netflix, that, but it seems to have been fairly well received. The Des Pilot is part of an overall deal he has with FX Productions, so uh, there, and it's going to be eight episodes as well, apparently, assuming it gets picked up, that is. But I think there's a fair chance of that, given his track record. Moving on, we've got news that Titans, the TV series, which is coming to DC's new streaming service, which still has yet to be named, this new live-action version of titans uh, but there was an episode title which caught people's interest because the seventh episode of the series is apparently called jason todd and for those of you that don't know your dc history jason todd was the second robin and who eventually becomes the red hood given that the show is about dick grayson leaving batman behind and leaving presumably robin behind and turning into nightwing this sort of makes sense that maybe this is where they introduce Jason Todd as Robin Mark II, I would say. I doubt we're seeing Red Hood in this because that would be way too early, I think, to, to do that. But yeah, we could get a Jason Todd Robin, which could be quite interesting because Jason Todd was fairly impetuous of Robin compared to Dick Grayson. Uh, I think it could be a really interesting series. I quite like Titans and um, the characters in it are all kind of people that don't necessarily get enough of the spotlight normally. And um, I, I think it definitely could be an interesting one. I'm intrigued to see how they're going to have Jason Todd in the mix with that and um, where they're going to go with it being that we know what happens to Jason Todd in the end. Yeah, they've not actually said that they've cast a Batman in this yet, although you've got to assume that there is at least going to be a Bruce Wayne at some point you would think. I mean, I know it's about him getting away from him, unless they're going to do what they did with Supergirl in season one and sort of have him off in a distance. But I, I wonder if they will actually cast somebody as, as either Batman or Bruce Wayne, or obviously both, but whether we'll see both, I don't know. Maybe they'll just have a mobile phone ringing and it will say Bruce and he'll just not answer it. And that'll be it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> that'll be it, yeah. You've got away from it then. Um, yeah, I, I almost don't want it to be too Batman. No. It, it's a Batverse series. It's not a Batman series. And I think there's the worry with these things. When you start including a primary title character in someone else's series, like when you start putting sort of Superman into Supergirl, it does, it does start to overshadow because it's just a better known character and people that will be then thinking that that character is going to be more integral than they are. And so I'm kind of hoping there isn't too much Batman in it. Yeah, I mean, they, they actually handled it quite well in the second season when they eventually did cast uh, a Superman in the second season of Supergirl they handled it quite well as he popped in for a couple of episodes and then popped out again and occasionally has kind of shown up but they've they're pretty much sort of they I think they handled it quite well that sort of level of interaction I think could work quite well so yeah I'm we don't know what's going to happen with that DC direct to consumer digital service yet uh, assuming the DC digital service is worldwide then it will be on there. If not, hopefully the Titan series will get picked up by somebody over here. So uh, next, the last little bit of news is we have, there was a bunch of casting update recently. A um, few little things. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, this uh, this series that's based on the chilling adventures of Sabrina that we've been talking about various sort of on and off for the last few months. They've cast Harvey Kinkle, which is Sabrina's boyfriend, the sort of jock type character, described as the Prince Charming of the Dark Fairy Tales. He's a son of a coal miner, a dreamboater dreamer, completely unaware of the dark forces conspiring to keep him and Sabrina apart. He's been played by Ross Lynch, who I'm way too old to know who he is, but apparently he was in a Disney musical sitcom called Austin and Alley. He then went on to play Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer in My Friend Dahmer, which, I mean, I talk about picking <laughs> two roles which couldn't be further apart. Yeah, well, assuming he did both of those well, I've not seen either. That <laughs> yeah. means he's got some range as an actor. <laughs> Certainly, yes. Uh, he's also Lee 
lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist in a rock pop band called R5 as well, apparently. But uh, yeah, so he's a Ross Lynch is the guy's name. Apparently he's playing Harvey Kinkle. Nina Dovbrev from the Vampire Diaries. She is now got a new role and she's having a bit of a switch as well because she's going from sort of teen drama to comedy. She's starring in a new multi-camera comedy which comes from the newsroom writer Corinne Kingsbury. Follows Clem, played by Dovrev, a young woman who dreams of an upstanding life with her new fiancé. After years have been a hot mess, she's worked hard to get her life back on track. She finally feels things are going how they should be. As part of portraying this best version of herself, she's told everybody her estranged father, Freddie Banks, is dead, except he's very much alive. And when her train wreck of a younger half-sister, Shannon, who's played by Odessa Adlon from Nashville, shows up trying to escape their equal train wreck of a father, her life is going to be exposed to everybody putting her perfect life with Jay and his upstanding in-laws in serious jeopardy. I mean, as a pitch for a sitcom, it just sounds very American sitcom to me. It doesn't sound particularly interesting. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. And to me, that sounds awful. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Um, of all the things to go through after being in such a big show, I can understand one wanting to maybe get away from doing that sort of teen drama kind of thing that I'm not convinced I mean you know a writer from the newsroom is great although she was a writer on the newsroom I don't think she was like the lead writer or anything on the newsroom uh, so I don't know but it, it, I'm not inspired by that write-up at all there doesn't seem to be anything particularly interesting in there uh, I mean I like Nina Joffrey she's lovely actress as for everything I can see but yeah not overly inspired but we'll see where that goes it's only a pilot at the moment see if it goes to series and lastly they've found their new Cagney and Lacey over C- CBS Cagney and Lacey for those of you that are too young to know it was a, a 80s cop drama and they've moved from New York, which the original series was set in, to LA, because it's probably easier to shoot in LA, I would have thought at this point. It's written by Bridget Carpenter, who wrote uh, 11 2263, Parenthood and Friday Night Lights. The two cops are being played by Sarah Drew, who is playing Cagney, uh, who was played by Sharon Glass in the original series. Uh, she's the more experienced of the two partners. And Detective Lacey, who was played by uh, Daily in the original is played by Michelle Hurd. Lacey is described as empathic, straightforward, athletic, polished, and a former high school track and field champion. So the two actresses, Sarah Drew, was previously on Grey's Anatomy before being unceremoniously dumped after a major cast shakeup for following having been on there for nine years. Uh, she was also on Everwood. She was on Mad Men. She popped up in an episode of Supernatural as well. So she's she's kind of been around various shows. Michelle Hurd, you may recognise from various US procedural dramas. She played Rini Grover in a Y50, Gina Santos in Lethal Weapon. She was Shepard in Blind Spot, which was a fairly major role. She's been in various other things. She was also in Daredevil. She was District Attorney Samantha Rees in Daredevil. It seems very much like they have just purchased a licence for something and they're going to make something completely different. I mean, Cagney and Lacey, to me, was just, I I feel like it was kind of this iconic, famous 80s police thing because we didn't have as many different police things to choose from yeah. at the time. I, I never felt Cagney and Lacey was anything particularly special. I, you I, know, if they were announcing a remake of Knight Rider, I'd be much more kind of, you know, um, yeah, interested yeah. in it. Cagney and Lacey's just, it's just a cop show. So it makes it impossible to tell what this is really going to be because they've obviously, they want the license, they want the name and yeah. the basic premise, but the premise is quite generic. So what they make from it, I really couldn't tell from this what exactly it's going to be like at all it's sort of the cop show that led all other sort of female-led cop shows i mean you know Mm. things like rizzoli and isles is very much inspired by things like cadney and lacey you know so yeah i'm very much with you they've kind of bought the name uh and i mean it's cbs they're also doing obviously a mag remake they're the same people that did hawaii 50 they've done macgyver i mean you know they they're the people that have rewritten every single kind of i feel they went to an auction and bought a job lot (laughs) (laughs) i mean they were cbs shows i think originally probably which 
which yeah. is is why. So they're just recycling their old licenses. Uh, but they they have got so they've got this piloting and they've got Magnum piloting this season. Those are their two big remakes this year. So yes, I don't know. I mean, as you say, in this day and age, it does feel like a bit of another generic cop show. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But. Uh, but yeah, it is coming. Well, it may be coming. It's being piloted at the moment. We should get all the information on renewals and cancellations by the end of May. So we've only got a couple more months to wait until we get a huge flurry of activity in uh, what's been picked up and what's been cancelled and what are the new things that are going to be coming in the autumn. So uh, keep an eye out for that because they'll be popping up on the site over the next few months. That's all the news for this week. Next up, we have the interview. <laughs> The interview this week is with Lee Kemp, who is the director on a Star Wars fan film project called Padawan Rising, a Star Wars short film. It's currently up on Kickstarter. It's going fairly well so far, but still needs more donations. So uh, I wanted to get Lee on because it looks like a brilliant, brilliant project. The visuals they've done so far are absolutely beautiful. Uh, It's a really interesting story. So I wanted to get Lee on to talk a little bit more about the project, you know, his work and the people involved with it. So where here's Lee Kemp. He's the director of Padawan Rising. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. Hi, Lee. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you for, for spending a bit of time to talk on the uh, on the podcast. Do you want to just explain a little bit about who you are and the film that you're kickstartering at the moment? Of course. Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, so uh, my name's Lee Kemp. I am a filmmaker. I have been a filmmaker for over 10 years now, having had a previous career in the army. Um, wanted to go and do something completely different. So um, I work for a company called Vermilion Films based in Birmingham. Um, and we mostly make commercials, promotional films, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and we've um, had this Star Wars fan film project that we've been working on for over two years now. And we are working towards uh, raising the finance to get that made at the moment on Kickstarter. Cool. So do you want to explain a little bit what the film is about? Sure. Okay. So the our main protagonist is a um, what I'm describing as a gap year Jedi. Um, which is basically that's a very British term but it's it's a um, uh, she is someone who's coming to the end of her training um, who is incredibly talented very powerful but is also wrestling with that that sense of power and a little bit of entitlement that that comes with and all that kind of stuff basically she's just she's just a bit too big for her britches and um, she finds herself she has been sent off on her own to do mundane tasks just to teach her a sense of responsibility and it's not all fighting and sword play with a lightsaber um, and while she's there she is on a planet that gets invaded by what is slowly becoming the first order so we're in that transitional period between Jedi and Force Awakens um, in which the uh, after the Imperial remnants have fled after the events of Jedi, but before they've, they've properly become the First Order. Right. And so they they have arrived in force en masse and are investigating something on this planet. She finds herself down there while they effectively invade. And she, she has found the fight that she's looking for, but realizes it might be a little bit more than she can handle. Um, but there are also other people on the planet that she doesn't know about. And she ends up enlisting their help to, to help her get off the planet and get word out, basically. So, so we have a really interesting character who, who, who learns quite a lot over the course of the film. Um, she's this immensely powerful, impetuous Jedi Padawan, not quite completed her training. And she gets into a big, big fight with many more people than she can handle. Um, and she has to learn to be better than she is. <laughs> you're directing the project, assuming he, he gets all yes. the funding you need. Uh, so, yeah, you'll be directing the project. Who else have you got involved? So we've got a whole bunch of interesting people. So the director of photography is a guy called Carl Poiser, who's been working with me for um, six, seven years now. We've shot um, all over the world together. Uh, and it was actually due to him that the project came about in the first place. We have a wonderful production designer called James Blakemore Hoy. Um, he's, if you've seen the Kickstarter video, he's um, he's the one with the lightsaber tattooed on his arm. <laughs> so if you think the, the crew are not 
committed to Star Wars in some way, then you know you're obviously missing <laughs> yeah. missing James's lightsaber tattoo. Um, and and the very first time I met James, he had heard about the project through Carl. We had never so much as spoken on the phone or anything like that. The very first time I met him to talk about the project, he turned up with about 20 pages of sketches and designs <laughs> and things that he'd done because he loved the idea so much. Wow. Um, our composer is a guy called Kevin Reepel, um, who's based in LA. Yes, um, that's the so name he, I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Okay, so Kevin and I have worked together previously. So he scored my very first short film, which is called Not Very Nice People, which we made in 2014. And he um, has just completed the score for a TV show called Atropa, which has just been released. And prior to that, he did Ruin, uh, which was a, a very well-known short film directed by Wes Ball before Wes Ball went on to direct all three of the, the Maze Runner movies. Um, he wrote the music for Gears of War, which I think most people listening to this will have heard of. And, yes, definitely. Um, Alien Colonial Marines and other games and stuff, you know. So, and one of the great things, I mean, you can read about this on the Kickstarter. One of the great things about working with Kevin, because we were talking to a couple of composers. So we have an animatic for a, for a key visual effects sequence that we have, which is a really big thing. It's going to be a major part of the film. And this is when the, the First Order first land their stormtroopers on the planet. They do it in a very aggressive manner, like kind of shock troops sort of thing. And I, I had put three different pieces of music to that animatic and I accidentally mislabeled them. So when I said to Kevin, you know, I like this one, I think we should go in this direction. I mislabeled it. It was just the Imperial March, I think something like that. And he mm-hmm. went, oh, you know, that's, that's cool, but that's a bit samey. What about this other one over here, which is really left field? And that was actually the one I wanted. So <laughs> we, we found out we were just completely on the same page, just purely by accident, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and he's interested in doing something, you know, still Star Wars, but a little bit bold, a little bit different. Cause I, I believe if you're going to ask people for money for something like this, then you can't just rock up and do something that other people have done before. You know, I think you've, you've got to add something. You've got to be respectful to the universe and you've got to, you know, you're playing in the Star Wars toy box to a certain extent. You know, you can't ruin it for other people, yeah. but you've got to add something new to it. You've got to do something interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing uh, doing a project like this and raising money for a project like this because there is so much Star Wars stuff around, but there is a sort of long tradition of Star Wars fan films, uh, yeah. certainly when Lucasfilm were fully in control have, have disney been okay with the the fan film stuff <laughs> still as well they haven't come kicking my door down yet um, <laughs> but the i know because when disney took over the franchise there was a, quite a lot of deep concern on the internet and amongst the fan community um, particularly filmmakers um, that this would be the end of star wars fan films as a genre so what what's happened so far really is um disney have certainly embraced the formal fan film ideology jj abrams ran a fan film competition right um and invited people in but they they had to be under a certain length and all this kind of thing and we we weren't basically yeah. um and we we wouldn't have been able to tell the, the the amazing story we've got within the confines of that fan film competition um the informal stuff i mean there there are as you know there are tons and tons of them out there many of them have been made since disney took over the franchise and i haven't heard of a single fan film being taken down because of copyright infringements so i'm i'm hopeful that this will continue to be the case and i and i think you know there's sort of an an unspoken thing that kind of people abide by that so long as you're respectful of the universe and you don't try and do anything foolish then then i think they're 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 sort of okay with it because everybody gets how much like they get how much the community loves star wars yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. It's an interesting time period you've picked out as well because it's it's not necessarily an area that's known very much about. And yeah. you've also inserted a Jedi in there, which I know might upset people somewhere sure. because of the whole, oh, Jedis aren't supposed to be around. Although, you know, you have got Luke out there starting up new Somewhere. Jedi's at this point yeah. so so you know maybe you've, you're not going in to explain where she actually comes from other than she's obviously has a, a master somewhere that's sent her off here but who that is, yeah. is yeah. she is um, in the conversations I've had I've, I've deliberately avoided answering that question exactly <laughs> yeah. uh, but I would say she is definitely a highly force sensitive individual who has received some kind of training from someone who is 
immensely good with a lightsaber um, <laughs> you know so um and in terms of the you know is she a member of luke's jedi temple i don't know she could be yeah. um is she are there jedis around in this period well theoretically none that we know of yeah um but obviously luke's kicking around there somewhere does is, does the story take place in the cinematic universe or does it you know that there's like there's various timelines going on at the moment yeah, isn't yeah, it? so yeah. um and, and and we've definitely opted for um we've picked some bits of technology from the extended universe as well right. okay so you know and as you know there's a couple of jedis and star wars rebels and that kind yeah. of stuff so i think i mean interestingly we have had i've had two very long emails from <laughs> from fans who've picked up on stuff that is is not completely canonical just in the, in the kickstarter film um, <laughs> which so, is about a minute long that film yeah, yeah absolutely so one of the things we wanted to do in the kickstarter film was because uh, you've never seen the code cylinders actually be used right and yeah. so what we've done is we've had an officer take one out and he inserts it into a hollow projector and we see some plans and stuff like that. And I got a long, long email about uh, uniforms in the the um, <laughs> uh, in the original trilogy versus uniforms in the, the Abrams era stuff. And we'd actually, we'd, we'd got a guy, um, a lovely guy called Pete Billups, who's a, um, he's a member of UK Garrison. Yeah. He's got an Imperial costume and we adapted it to, to put it in that sort of transitional period of which there are not too many records so <laughs> you know so we've we've partially done it that way to to incorporate a degree of ambiguity uh, just to give us some room to maneuver for that sort of stuff but also because now this bit's going to be quite spoiler heavy um, <laughs> and we are taking we we found a really interesting narrative way to pit aging imperial stormtroopers against first order stormtroopers and that's a big part of our story yeah so that's sort of why it has to be in that period as well yeah which i think is a really interesting idea uh i i really quite like that idea the kickstarter finishes on third of april you're about a third way funded at the moment yeah Um, that's not bad going so far but you obviously need people to to pitch in uh do your big sale now (laughs) (laughs) right okay we came out of the gates really really strong and we've had tons and tons of great support from uh, lots of people that i know friends and family and all that kind of stuff but we've had total strangers commit 750 pounds to us you know that's about a thousand dollars that kind of stuff I mean, that's absolutely brilliant but what uh, interestingly we we haven't landed in the star wars community in, in quite the way that i expected to so what what people will get out of this is first of all we have a great story you know we have a genuinely everybody that i have pitched the full story to in real life has a absolutely loved it and mm. b given us money almost immediately um and I'm, I'm caught between that being very spoiler free, but also trying to give people as much information as they can. But what you will get at the end of this, in terms of uh, whatever reward you uh, choose to um, pledge to, is just 15 minutes of super, super high level, beautifully shot, well acted, well thought out Star Wars story. Um, and I think a lot of fan films just, you know, really enjoy getting the costumes in front of the camera and all that kind of stuff. We've got a narrative, we've got great characters, we've got some some immense CGI and VFX. I've had volunteers from recently a guy uh, who's currently in Montreal working on Fantastic Beasts 2 saw it. He's volunteered himself because um, people just want to help. So this, we're not aiming to make a Star Wars fan film. We're aiming to make the Star Wars fan film. We were, our, our target, the highest number of views I've seen is about 16 million and we want to beat it. Right. Good. So, so if people, if people want to be part of that, if people want to help us get this off the ground, then that's what they're getting involved with. I think you can see from the campaign, from the stuff that we've shot, you know, we're good at what we do. My team, everybody on the team is better at their job than I am at my job so you know it is a really high level committed bunch of people who absolutely love this story that we're trying to bring to the screen that was a bit longer than a 60 second pitch but um, you're fine yeah yeah, so so I think we I think we need about 730 people to pitch at the 25 pound level at the moment and they say 90% of projects that reach 80% of their funding 
make it all the way. So, right. so, so I'm aiming for, um, if, if, if I can get up to about 22,000 by sort of Saturday, Sunday, which is a big leap. Don't get me wrong. I understand that, but yeah. we are doing this big push. Well, you know how much of a fan, cause I've told you before how much of a fan yeah. of, of this I am. So I'm very much looking forward to, uh, hopefully getting this fully funded. Uh, there'll be a link on our site as well, or, uh, it's called Padawan Rising, a Star Wars short film. So, uh, you can go find it on Kickstarter as well. I really, really hope you get this funded because I think it's a wonderful idea. Thank you very much. Uh, you can, if you go to padawanrising.com, that will take you straight to the Kickstarter site. Okay. We were, we were picked by Kickstarter the other day as one of their projects we love. So we've seen an increased amount of, uh, attention from that. Everybody that we've talked to, everybody who's seen all of the materials that we've produced, stuff like that has, um, has got involved in some way. So, so right now we're just trying to get the word out as far and as wide as possible. And another thing I think uh, a lot of people who do Kickstarters now um, have come to learn that it's it's way harder these days than it was sort of two, three years ago. Yeah. And I think that's, that's to a certain extent um, the fault of a lot of filmmakers who haven't delivered on their pledges and their promises and rewards and all that kind of stuff. The end product hasn't been very good. Yeah. I, I make films for a living. I work in the commercial world. My team delivers stuff where it needs to go on time. So uh, a pledge for a pledge, basically. We absolutely <laughs> will get you the stuff that that you have asked for you know and we'll get it to you in a timely fashion that's very much something that we are committed to because it's not just a a case of taking the the uh, pledges and running you know we want to give you the stuff back we want you to be engaged with the process as we go one of the great things about being a director on a project like this because we have a couple of perks for example and we haven't seen this anywhere else where uh, we will share with a small audience um, an early draft of the film and get your feedback so you get to be a part of the test audience And then once the film is almost complete, there's another pledge where you can do a later version of the film. Um, And and, and so one of the great things about being a director in this industry is that you get to not only steal other people's ideas, you get to take credit for them as well. Um, You know, so because ultimately it's your name that's attached to it. So if if you want to be a collaborative part of this process, we're a very collaborative team. So we're interested to hear from people. Awesome. Well, good luck with it. I hope it goes really well. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you too okay all right right. cheers Cheers. so that was the interview with lee kemp the link was padawinerising.com you can just punch that in it'll take you straight through for the kickstarter page or just look for padawine rising on kickstarter uh there's also a link in the show notes on our website as well so um go and have a look at it it looks fantastic closes on the 3rd of april so uh you've got a bit of time to do it yet assuming you're listening in the week that we release this podcast it looks like a great project and i really like to see it get it funded because i really want to see the film so um go help them out padawinerising.com now here's some highlights for next week on tv so highlights for next week on tv we've got bunch of stuff coming back and uh, a couple of interesting new shows as well supergirl finally returns that's for on the 26th of march for, at 8 p.m uh, are you still watching all the dc shows uh, i'm watch flash i've seen some bits of legends i kind of stopped watching arrow because it became far too much are they getting married or not or <laughs> and just, yeah no, I, I liked felicity to start with but the whole relationship i've just less less and less interested in the whole show Supergirl I did watch a reasonable amount of the first season but it was too kind of silly the only episodes I really liked were the kind of flash crossover ones yeah um, but now it has obviously moved and it's very much embedded as a CW show it might well be worth me taking another look at it yeah I think it massively improved when it went over to CW they uh, they really did a nice job with it and uh ironed out a lot of the kinks with it for its second season so uh, third season is coming on the 26th of March for the second half of that season I know it seems very late this year but it was late back in the US as well so we're actually by the time that the US start airing it again we will only be one week behind same as usual uh, it's taken a while to come back but that's the US's fault not ours so uh, but uh, yeah so we're uh, 26th of March at 8pm for that uh, Billions that's back for its third season 29th of march at 9 p.m that's a fantastic show lots of machiavellian politics and finance stuff going on with that it's 
highly entertaining. Suits back for the second half of season seven, which is a great, great series. Going to be the last one for uh, Patrick and Meghan Markle because they're both leaving. One of them's going off to marry some former soldier who happens to be attached to the big house in London. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yes, she's. You won't say which one. You'll leave that in the mystery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, th- that's back, and then it's going through a little bit of a revamp when it comes back for its eighth season. I think it's already been picked up for its eighth season. I seem to remember. Uh, so they've got some new people coming in, and uh, it's going to be interesting interesting to see it without like two of their main cast there but uh, yeah. well they managed to keep making plot after what seemed to be the primary reason for all character motivations yes changing so they might actually be able to pull it off yeah. i'm interested to see where they go with it it will either continue to be brilliant or it will take a nosedive but the writing so far is managed to keep the season series alive so well yeah I, it's the writing that keeps it together i think that on that show and as you say i think mike's plot line has sort of run its course at this point and you know the the unique thing about him having the eidetic memory is i mean that's still used very occasionally as a sort of widget occasionally when they need it but mostly it's just a show about brilliant lawyers and it's a very very well written show about brilliant lawyers so I, i'd happily have a whole season with um lewis as the main character <laughs> yes yeah he's he's wonderful wonderful that guy so he's a great invention so uh, i think it'll be fine when it comes back for for its next season but uh 29th of March, that's back on Netflix for that. In the long run, which is a comedy starring Idris Elba, loosely based on his childhood. Uh, this has been trailered all over the place on Sky One. That's coming on the 29th of March at 10pm. I might give this a watch just out of curiosity, in all honesty, because it's a half hour sitcom with Idris Elba, which is very yeah. strange. I mean, I quite like the Goldbergs, um, partly because it's, it's it's 80s and there's lots of things you can relate to. So it's... Yeah. Uh, it is a format that works because you can tell when these shows are made with love. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I have no idea what that'll be like, but uh, 29th of April at 10pm if you want to have a look at that. Lemony Snicket's Series of Unfortunate Events Season 2, that's coming on the 30th of March to Netflix. I adored the first season of this. It's wonderfully strange, twisted adaptation of the Lemony Snicket novels. Neil Patrick Harris is amazing as character Olaf. Just thoroughly enjoyable in all it's horrendous tragedy <laughs> can't recommend that highly enough really really love the first season of that show so i'm very much looking forward to that coming back modern family is back for the third part of its ninth season they've been splitting things up a lot 30th of march at 8 30 p.m episodes is back for its fifth and final season coming to bbc2 on the 30th of march at 10 p.m we've waited forever for this but i'm very very happy it's finally airing stephen magnan tadsman greg and Matt LeBlanc back for the fifth season of that and then there is a new thing called kiss me first which is starting on channel four on the 2nd of april at 10 p.m it's a thriller based on a novel which combines live action with state-of-the-art computer generated virtual world sequences so it's basically a sort of mixed in with a video game it's about a a girl who escapes into this video game which is quite appropriate given that they're releasing ready player one this week as well so uh, quite the kiss me first teaser trailers are awesome i'm assuming it's connected to some of the same team that did humans because they had these kind of teaser trailers where they pretended it was a real advert for the simps and then the kiss me first ones have the teaser trailers that are pretending they're a real advert for the the vr yeah i I do like the that kind of approach and that always kind of piques my interest where it's something where they haven't really told me anything about the show but they've given me an idea of the world with these little teaser trailers so I'm quite interested to see that one. Yeah there, there have been a couple of longer teasers that have got kind of a bit more about the the show in them but yeah those initial teasers were very very reminiscent of the uh, what they did with humans so mm. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see this it looks like it could be quite a good show it's called Kiss Me First it's on Channel 4 it's 
2nd of April at 10pm for that, but uh, could be one worth checking out. And that's it for this week, unless you've got anything else. No, I think we've covered pretty much anything, everything. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I just want to go back and, and play with my lightsaber standing on top of more castles, to be honest. <laughs> that's well, it, really, with a better Wi-Fi connection, so I don't miss as much telly. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Um, you can find Bex at... Trista Bites, that's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and it's Trista Bites spelt B-Y-T-E-S because I'm doubly geeky and obviously you can find me here on the Geek Town Radio podcast as well. Yes and for us you can find us at geektown.co.uk the rest of the week which will have lots of news and air date info. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at Geek Town on Twitter on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geek Town on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geek Town and on Instagram at Geek Town UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.